This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hi, mommies. <laughs> How's that? Good? <laughs> that was great. Mommies. <laughs> Welcome to the Bechdel cast, mommies and non-mommies. But, you know... Th- this week, mommy has come to the front of the line. Mm-hmm, that's right. And make no mistake, not just good mommies. But bad mommies, too. Bad mommies as well. Welcome, bad mommies, to the bad mommies episode of... <laughs> of I was almost going to say, like, this is how traumatized I am at this point, where I was almost going to say, like, Caitlin, we can be bad podcasters, but you know that that's just giving an asshole, like, a template of a mean iTunes review. So I'm like, yeah, better can't not do it. Okay, so this is this is our, you know, annual Mother's Day episode. I miss I miss my mom. Yeah, I miss my mom. She's doing okay, although her health is not... She has Lyme disease, I think, and she has a lot of yeah, pain from that. But then she's like, well, what if it's COVID-19? So no one knows anything. But my mom's right. health is a little precarious at the moment, but Ugh. I think she'll be fine, I think. My mom, yeah, similar deal. My mom has rheumatoid arthritis and mm. has been, I think it's just like if you already have chronic pain, being cooped up in your house nonstop just doesn't do it any favors. For sure. So like she, and, and she's also, I'm shout out to Jill because I'm pretty sure she's been a loyal listener throughout the choir. Oh, Jill, uh, hi. Mainly because she has been teaching her second grade class still. Um, right. Through, through, quarant- through Zoom. Through Zoom. Which hmm. I'm like, I... Shout! I mean, shout out to where this is a weird start to the episode, but it's a quarantine episode, so it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Uh, <laughs> but shout out to all, like all the parents and teachers right now who are making school happen over Zoom. I truly 
cannot wrap my head around that. Yeah. And students too. Like it's just who it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Not to brag or anything, but I teach online screenwriting classes, which I mm-hmm. always forget to plug on the podcast. But if anyone's interested in learning screenwriting from yours truly, someone with a master's degree in screenwriting uh, that mm-hmm. I absolutely hate to bring up, but um, sure. I teach classes through Zoom, but I only have like I cap it at five students per section and they're Mm. all you know adults so and i'm like i can barely handle that (laughs) well it's like that's the thing it's like i've been in our writer's room like during the days and i'm like i am an adult woman who i it's so hard to pay attention it's Mm -hmm. so hard i'm like why am i on ebay like i (laughs) this is my job i have no one for i don't think that but anyways i've been on ebay yeah and i'm doing my job but i'm like on ebay sure so you know we can all be, it feels good to be bad, a wise person once told me. Well, that's sort of the theme of the movie. It feels good to be bad, and we're, and we're back. back. <laughs> Welcome to the Bechtel cast. This is, our, this is if you're a new listener, what a weird start. Mm. Uh, this is our uh, podcast about the representation of female identifying characters in movies. We use the Bechtel test as a jumping off point for discussion. But what is the Bechtel test? Well, I ask myself each and every week. (laughs) I'm happy to answer your question. It is a media metric originally developed by cartoonist Alison Bechtel, sometimes called the Bechtel-Wallace test. Mm -hmm. And it requires that the narrative have two female identifying characters with names Sure. Who speak to each other about something other than a man. Mm-hmm. And the specific metric that we use is it has to be a two or more line exchange of dialogue. And a lot of movies cannot manage this simple metric. And interestingly, and we'll be talking about this iconic duo. I mean, <laughs> when people say, like, Caitlin and Jamie name a more iconic duo, I automatically say John Lucas and Scott Moore. <laughs> Uh, but you know many movies that the writers of this movie have have written in -hmm. no way passed the Bechdel test we've got a weird we've got a weird one today there's pros and there's cons yes we're here there's discourse I wanted before we get into it because it's we're it's just the two of us today Mm -hmm. um so I was curious I have I've just been interested in hearing like other podcasters that I listen to just like what is like a thing in quarantine that you've like gotten into or like a show or a thing that you're mm-hmm. like, oh. I have been rewatching um, a show that I really enjoy that I had only seen once, but Over the Garden Wall. It's, oh, yes. Um, you recommended that to me. Yes. I, I can't recommend it enough. It's short. It's fun. It's kooky. Um, it was originally on Cartoon Network. It's on Hulu now. Mm. I really enjoy it. Um, so fun. any any Over the Garden Wall heads out there, you let me know. I'm going to recommend a show that I've been watching really because I've also been like working three jobs in the core, which is like it doesn't make any like it's very lucky, but it also is mm-hmm. uh, like just really fucks with your head a little bit. Sure. But I watched the first season of on becoming a god in central florida and Mm. it's really good kirsten dunst is great nice and i love it so that's our quarrex yeah quarrex let's talk about bad moms let's do it so yes we don't have a guest today 
but I did, I, I, I wanted to get some, you know, opinions of moms and whether or not this movie resonated with moms. So um, I have a few little, you know, tweets to share and stuff like that. Mom tweets. Uh, what what was your history? Do you have a history with this movie? Uh, no, I don't. I had never seen it, nor its sequel, A Bad Mom's Christmas. Mm. I just skipped them. I, based on what I knew about them when they came out and like who was making them and stuff, I was like, I don't think these are going to be for me. <laughs> yeah, and I was right. <laughs> Same. Not because of the premise, more just because of. The writing style and the like, the comedic sensibilities of these writers and stuff the, like that. I, I mean, just, I just like the bloated, big budget comedy genre aesthetic, like this specific aesthetic mm-hmm. and like tone. I don't. It's not even really. I guess it's kind of a genre. It's also not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So this movie came out. I mean, fairly recently. I had seen. I've seen Bad Bombs Christmas. Mm-hmm. I watched it because Christine Baranski was in it. <laughs> and I, I didn't love the movie, but I did love Christine Baranski and and Susan Sarandon's in it. She's pretty, mm-hmm. she's good in it as well. It's I honestly, I I will say I really preferred Bad Moms Christmas to Bad Moms. Okay, interesting. Uh, but I think that that might just be because you get like twice the amount of twice the moms, twice the moms. You have Cheryl <laughs> Hines, Christine mm-hmm. Baranski, and Susan Sarandon. Like those, they're all like you know knocking it out of the park even though the writing still say with me sucks yeah (laughs) uh but you have like twice the amount of fun performances so it's it just was more fun but sure yeah i saw watch watch bad moms i it's it's frustrating because it's like and we'll talk about this a lot because it's like a really good premise and like a really strong Mm -hmm. cast and everything i dislike about the movie has to do with the way it's written and directed and then when mm-hmm. you're like oh it was written and directed by the hangover guys of course i don't like it, it you tracks. know <laughs> yeah so it's it's kind of a bummer because i i'm sure that it would have been impossible to make this movie without their co-signing of it which is mm-hmm. frustrating in itself and then everything i don't like about the movie is them getting in the way of a good premise and a good cast so yes um i'm glad it exists but uh you know generally it was like we got to be able to do better than this. Come on. There. <laughs> we most certainly can. We And I think that we have. That was another thing that before we super jump into it, I, I did a little research as I've been known to do. Wow, brag. Perhaps some context. <laughs> I was just looking into like where moms have been represented in comedic movies. Mm-hmm. And there's really not that much. There is not a ton. There's a lot of movies that have moms in them but are mm-hmm. not about moms so it's like this movie was a huge hit it made 180 million dollars off a 22 million dollar budget mm-hmm. so to me that indicates you know like this is clearly a market people want this movie for sure and it was like reasonably well received but yeah because there this there's just not really moms represented as like a central focus in movies where you do see a lot and i think like a lot better than what this movie has to offer is there's a lot of tv that's come out in the past couple of years that is comedy focused around motherhood mm-hmm. and so it's just I, I i hope that and i mean god knows how or if movies will be made anymore um 
that this that, is the end of the industry as we know it probably but it's like christine baranski is going to be in like a plastic bubble you know it's going to be a whole <laughs> thing but but i i hope that you know i was encouraged at least to see i mean there's a ton of comedy shows of all different like genres of comedy there's like network comedy there's niche there's blah 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 about mm-hmm. mothers but it just is not represented in movies so mm-hmm. this is just kind of like what there is right now um yeah. wild Ooh. but you know if you're if you're a mom looking for I'll, I'll um when this episode comes out i'll try to do a little thread of like tv recommended watching because it seems like oh, that's yes. where the options are yeah that'd be great yeah and with that, shall we do the recap and go from there? Let's do it. So the story of Bad Moms, Bad Mummies, um, we meet Bad Mummy number one, although she's not Bad Mummy yet. She's Good Mummy. <laughs> it's, they're um, all good moms, but, they're, <laughs> yeah. but they, they're bad sometimes. They're all like good moms, but they also go through really long montage sequences that I fast forwarded. Yeah. <laughs> it, like... Shot, truly like we i can't talk about visual jokes in the because i just and they're all three minutes long it's too every these guys they just love a long expensive montage and i just don't care about it that are like in slow motion there's like some you know poppy bop in the background and it's just like this you get one of those don't have 14 in your movie yeah and like can it be three characters that we at least no like there but by the time the first like at length cameo comes in i'm like i think i know one thing about Kristen bell's character how am i supposed to be like reveling in this like wow like you don't know you really only know i would argue you really only get to know mila kunis in this movie i think Mm -hmm. you know one thing about Kristen bell which is that her husband sucks yeah and that i mean that's just john lucas and scott moore no matter who they're writing for they only know how to write broad stereotypes. For sure. A hundred percent. So you just don't get to know Kristen Bell and Katherine Hahn. You just don't. Mm-mm. But first, we barely get to know Amy Mitchell. <laughs> That's uh, Mila Kunis's character. Were you were you frustrated? Okay, so I'm sorry. I'm like, this movie was really fun. <laughs> were you frustrated in the first scene where they're introducing her when She's like, ah, I sweat in workout class. And you're like, you're Mila Kunis. Give me a break. There don't, I don't like when movies are like Mila Kunis is so awkward. And you're like, no, she isn't. She isn't. (laughs) (laughs) I think she was miscast in this role, but also who would have been cast in a such a broad stereotyped role like this? I mean, who would (sighs) this be good for? I really, I I think Mila Kunis is so talented. We've seen her be amazing and I feel like she is, yeah, she is very miscast in this movie. Yeah. So is Kristen Bell. Mm -hmm. I think that true, like of the main cast, I think that like Christina Applegate and Katherine Hahn are pretty well cast but it's only because they're playing characters that they've been forced to play before that are not fair to them where it's like oh christina applegates is going to play like an uptight rude person and she's been she's had to do that forever and like mm-hmm. Catherine hahn's gonna play like a very you know it's like and i hope they had fun and they did a good job but it, even when it's properly cast you're like this still is like not very nice i don't know i know <laughs> 
<sighs> okay, where were we? We have we met Amy. We've she's met Amy. Boring. She's boring. She's uh, she's overworked. She's underappreciated. She had her first kid when she was twenty. She is now thirty-two. She has two mm-hmm. kids, Jane and Dylan. Um, they do a bunch of extracurricular activities, which she's always trying to, you know, make it to like go to the, you know, events and the games and the recitals and whatever. But um, she's always late to everything. That's her thing. She's late to everything. Ugh, she's such a bad mom. <laughs> she has a part time job at a hipster coffee company working in sales, I think. We'll talk about that. But this is a piece of writing that is so like roll your eyes into the back of your head okay boomer that I I was so annoyed by it where it's like just clearly (laughs) two out of touch dudes being like millennials in the workplace they take two weeks off when Jon Snow dies and you're like Mm. "Mm." Mila Kunis (laughs) is a is a millennial what are you talking like they're they're so like avocado toast like they're just they're stupid they're stupid (laughs) and that Anytime the workplace thing came up, I was just deeply annoyed because it just made it made no sense. It was very frustrating. Yes. Yeah. But that's her job. And um, <laughs> she just always has so much going on. And she's worried that she might be a bad mom. Mm-hmm. There's also this group of judgmental moms that shame Amy for like having a job and being so busy. The queen bee of them is Gwendolyn, which is Christina Applegate's character. And then she has two friends played by Jada Pinkett Smith and Annie Mumolo. Give Jada Pinkett Smith more lines. What? She was what the f- barely a character. I want to think best case scenario. There's like a whole like there are scenes with Jada Pinkett Smith that just like had to be cut for some reason. Because I'm just like, why would you go through the trouble of getting someone who is like truly awesome mm-hmm. in a movie where it is like very, very white mm-hmm. and then get this like iconic black actor and then give her no lines it's just so it's annoying on many levels truly yes (laughs) and then like annie mumolo who co-wrote bridesmaids like she's just like pigeonholed into this like idiot type but like she's funnier than that like give her opportunities to shine and also well that's like seeing annie mumolo in this movie is super frustrating because you're just like why didn't you let her write this movie? Right. She's we like she's she is infinitely more qualified to do it and you're just going to make her like again another like very talented person in this movie who has three lines and you're like what? Mm-hmm. I hope she got a boat. But like Annie <laughs> Mumolo is a parent. She is the same age as like the writer directors of this movie. She already had bridesmaids under her belt when this came out. Why couldn't she have written it? Like great questions. Uh, great questions all around. It's absurd. It's befuddling. Yep. Um, so that okay, so Amy has a her husband, uh, this guy Mike. Also infuriating storyline. Yeah. Yes. Um, he his whole thing is that he's pretty immature. He's kind of a doof. He like doesn't really do anything to help around the house. And then one night, Amy catches him masturbating to a cam girl, um, which he apparently has been doing for ten months. So she kicks him out of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, she has a terrible day. You know, she spills coffee on herself. She spills spaghetti on herself. Oh, she's such a <laughs> klutz, Caitlin. She's such <laughs> a klutz. She's such a bad mom. Uh, her dog has vertigo. <laughs> <laughs> because modern parents be having vertigo dogs. You're like... <laughs> 
I'm just like, there's some things in this that you're just like, mm, this is more of a, a rich person thing. Dogs on vertigo mm. medication sounds kind of like a rich person thing. Uh, <laughs> they're like, there. I also, I mean, there is like a storyline with the husband, but it was like another frustrating. I feel like the writer directors, John and Scott, are mm. are kind of like both cutting themselves slack and telling on themselves through the husband character because it's kind of like a character we've seen before of like oh he's not a bad person he's just like kind of a doofus he's just yeah. dumb he would never hurt his wife on purpose right i mean i think it's like goofy and fits the tone of the movie but it also just means like oh no guy is gonna like super recognize themselves in that character or interrogate anything about themselves they're like oh he's dumb mm-hmm. i'm an amazing husband <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a good dad yeah so that was uh, annoying for sure so Amy has had this horrible day, and at the PTA meeting that night, Gwendolyn, who is the PTA president, is like, Amy, you're on the like police force at the bake sale or some Poor thing Christina like that. Applegate. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> she's a star. Why does she, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, you know, but yeah, her her character is like bitchy obstacle. Yep. So Amy is like, no, I'm not gonna do your thing. Fuck it, I quit. And we're like, quit? What? Being a mom? What's happening? So then, <laughs> but then she's like, yes, the uh, the <laughs> Chrissy. I yeah, I like the uh, another major writing flaw in this story is that the the writers bravely instead of examining where do these pressures on mothers come from? Mm -hmm. Like what systems are enforcing it? They instead make the reason that things are difficult for all mothers be Christina Applegate. It's her fault that (laughs) that every modern mother feels pressure and feels insecure and inadequate. It's actually Christina Applegate's fault. And by ruining Christina Applegate, and and by that, I mean to say pit women against women for really no reason. Mm-hmm. You can solve that. <laughs> yes. But before all that really transpires, Amy decides to be a bad mom. So basically, she goes to a bar to blow off some steam. Fun. And there she sees Carla, Catherine Hahn's character, mm. who is this horny, irresponsible single mom type. And Kiki, Kristen Bell's character, who is an isolated, stay-at-home mom with four kids and no friends type. So you can see there's an attempt here to show different kinds of mothers. Uh But then the writing doesn't really do anything to subvert or expand on those types. And it just ends up being types. Right, exactly. It, it, there's like no nuance. They are these one-dimensional characters. Right. No thought was put into them aside from just like identifying them as these stereotypes and writing them as such. And it's, I guess, I, to be fair is the wrong preface to this sentence. But like, <laughs> that is all John Lucas and Scott Moore know how to do with characters yeah. of any gender. If you look at The Hangover, you also see like three types of bro mm-hmm. that like they're not challenging in their writing um <laughs> to put it lightly and so yeah right. you just end up like it's nice that you have three different types of mothers you have like a working mom in a relationship you have a stay-at-home mom you have a single mom this all sounds like cool all right 
different kinds of moms. Let's explore it. But then we just don't explore mm-hmm. it. And we kind of just like, nope, that's it. They, they got to step one. Yep. So at, at the bar, they talk about how hard it is to be a good mom in this day and age, how there's so many rules and expectations to be perfect. So then Amy is like, screw it. Let's be bad moms. Parentheses 2016, written and directed by Josh Lucas right. and Scott and Moore. Go, Woo! <laughs> That's the name of the movie. There, that was when my boyfriend walked in during that scene and he was just like, oh boy. And then he just like left after that line. He was like, I'm going to go get lunch. <laughs> Yikes. Um, all right, let's, let's take that moment to take a quick break because we're at break time and then we'll come back and keep Yay. going. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's full regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. We're back. Um, okay, so the 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 good moms have decided to be bad moms now. They're bad. They're bad moms. They said it. It was the end of the first mm-hmm. act, and we're like, "All right, <laughs> they are bad moms." They get drunk at the bar, then they go wild at the grocery store. Uh, the next morning, Amy is all hungover from her wild night, and her kids are like, "What the heck?" And she's like, "I'm a bad mom now. Make your own freaking breakfast." She takes her kids to school in her husband's muscle car. She skips work and goes to the movies uh, and lunch with her new friends, Kiki and Carla. Yeah. Then we've got the bake sale scene there. Uh, Amy flirts with uh, Jesse, 
this hot widower dad. But then Gwendolyn comes over and she's like, Amy, if you don't stop being a bad mom, Mm. I'm going to make your life a living heck. (laughs) Then a scene happens off screen where Amy learns that her husband is staying with his internet girlfriend. This information happens in a scene that does not play out on screen. Right. And then you're just like, ugh. They were like, that's not good writing. It's not good writing. And then I was just like, I also don't care. (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't care. Like, I'm not rooting for them to get back together. But I'm also not rooting for this random widower character who comes in. I like, it's almost like they're shoehorning a romantic plot into the movie where no one cares about it and it doesn't really belong. Perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so um, this scene happens off screen. But then the aftermath is Carla being like, Amy, you need to get laid. And she's like, yeah, I do. So the three of them go out to a bar. But not only is Amy a bad mom now, she's also a bad flirter. She's bad at flirting. Two montage. Yeah, another montage. Uh, another long, horribly edited, yeah. might I say, yeah. montage. Showing her being bad at flirting. But then Jesse, the hot widower dad, shows up and they f- start flirting and then they have a, a little kiss a little and we're like okay she got what she wanted i do want to talk about that kind of romantic storyline a little later on um because i there's some interesting things there um, <sighs> but anyway so the next morning uh, amy wakes up to her husband having returned and she's like get out of here and we're like, oh, right, he was a character for a minute. Yeah, I wasn't sure, just because, like, they're not good writers. I'm like, I wonder if he's just never going to be mentioned again. But he is mentioned again. But I still don't care about him. So it just ended up kind of being, like, a moot point. I was like, hmm, mm-hmm. well, I guess that that's what's happening. Right. They could have written him out. If they wanted me to want to see him, they could have written a better character. Right. Then Amy finds out that her daughter, Jane got benched for her soccer game because Gwendolyn like blackmailed the soccer coach basically so Amy is like okay well then I'm gonna run against you for PTA president and we're like okay I guess this is this the plot now (laughs) everything you're just like (laughs) I know the shift because she says like I'm gonna be a bad mom and then she's like I'm gonna be the PTA president and you're like I feel like these goals are at odds Yes. Uh, with but when she says she's gonna be a bad mom, she doesn't really this is just like it's it's I mean, we're not moms. Mm-hmm. It goes without saying. But <laughs> I, I was like, okay, she says I wanna be a bad mom, but I think that I mean what she's actually saying is I wanna be a mom and my own person. Right. But like why can't they just say that? Like I know that that's not as punchy, but it's confusing <laughs> for her to keep saying I wanna be a bad parent. When what she, when she means something else. Like else. Right. It's still very clear that she, like, they all love their children very much, but yeah. they're flawed people. <laughs> so, like, that's fine. You know, I don't get it. I mean, I get it, but I don't like it. <laughs> I, like, I want to be a mom who doesn't have to live up to such rigid expectations and high standards that are placed upon me by society and the patriarchy. That doesn't fit in, onto a movie poster. Well, but bad moms. Well, does. Caitlin, when you say when you say uh, society and patriarchy, I think you mean Christina Applegate. Oh, you, oh, right, right, right. I'm so sorry. It was actually her was fault her that this fault. is all happening. <laughs> So that's why we have to defeat her in the election, question mark? (laughs) Unclear. (laughs) Unclear. It also seems like she doesn't, like, logistically 
does Mila Kunis have the bandwidth for this? Her whole thing is like, I don't have bandwidth for anything. And then she's like, she's already too busy. The goal is she's like, I'm going to She says, I, she don't think she means this. But she's like, I'm going to be a worse parent because I am too bogged down with the expectations for work and parenthood and all this other stuff. But then the focus shifts and she's like, I actually want to take on an additional responsibility <laughs> to prove something to that I don't know what she, it is. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just making sure that that is Oopsies. what's happening. Whoops. That is Movie don't indeed. make sense. <laughs> Oop. Um, so now that she's running for PTA president, she throws a meet the candidate party mm. uh, that no one shows up to at first, but then people start to arrive because they've got free wine and it turns into this wild party. And then Jesse shows up at the end as it's winding down and then they have a little kiss and a little And then they have a little sex. sex. Ooh. And we're like, <laughs> yeah. And then there's another scene where Amy's husband is back again. And they go to a couple's counseling with Wanda Sykes. Again, her talents are wildly underused. Yeah, I had just watched, and this is like really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched as a joke... We were doing her on Zeitgeist Movie Club, which we've already done on this show. Mm -hmm. And um, listeners will know we don't love it. Mm. We don't love it. Mm -hmm. um, but I watched, so I watched Jexy instead as a joke, that Adam <laughs> Devine movie. It's really bad. And Wanda Sykes is also inevitably in that movie being wildly underused. And mm -hmm. so it was like just two days in a row of seeing Wanda Sykes enormous talent just wasted i just i just hope that she's just like they offered me so much money that i could not say no i can't imagine that's true though it wasn't that big of a budget it was only what 22 that's true, million dollars what if wanda sykes was 21 million of the dollars <laughs> oh fingers crossed hope yeah. so <laughs> let's uh headcanon yeah but yeah she's very under you're just like this is a waste of wanda sykes mm-hmm but I'm glad she's there. Um, but she's like, wow, you guys should just get a divorce. Which is like, we know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, duh. This is all to say that uh, we're reaching the low point of the movie. Amy's marriage is crumbling. She gets fired from her job that she has not been showing up to. And she's like, um, why are you firing me? Sure, I've skipped work for the past week in a row. But like, I don't get it. And then they're like, our avocado toast is dry. And they're... <laughs> Oh, God, that whole, yeah, so it's, not, it's something, it's not her fault that she didn't show up to work. Right. It's millennials' fault. <laughs> what? And then to top it all off, um, Gwendolyn has planted weed in Amy's daughter's locker and gets her kicked off the soccer team. So everything's just crumbling in Amy's world. And her daughter gets really mad at her and mm -hmm. calls her selfish. And then she's like, I'm going to go stay with dad. So things have fallen apart. Mm -hmm. So it's the night of the PTA election. Amy eventually shows up late because she's always late. That's kind her, of thing. her thing. She's not like the other girls. <laughs> and she gives this speech where she's like, hey, most of us are bad moms. And that's okay because being a mom is really hard vote for me and everyone's like woohoo <laughs> and she wins the election then there's like a little bit of a reconciliation between her and Gwendolyn her kids come back she gets rehired at work 
things. The movie takes a very long time to end. I was like, kind <laughs> of like, did you feel that as well? We were just like, the writing gets kind of scattered mm-hmm. in the second act. And then they still managed to tie up every kind of random storyline they had set up in the very long second act. But it takes a while where they're like, okay, there's a climactic third act scene, which is like the third actiest. I don't even really mean this as a bad thing, but you know, she goes up, she says the title of the movie. She says the thesis <laughs> statement of the movie and everyone's like, woohoo, you win the big game. Yeah. But then it's like scene where you find out what happened with her and her kids scene where you find out what happened with the widow scene where you resolve the Christina Applegate thing scene where Catherine Hahn's character gets resolution. You didn't realize that you were supposed to want. Uh, no. There's just like, there's like five denouement scenes that you're just yeah. like, all right, let's arm it up. There. I don't like this movie very much. Sigh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And then we get this uh, kind of like not post credits, but like as the credits are rolling, we get all of the, the actors in the movie, just them with their moms in real life, mm-hmm. having conversations. And we're like, oh, this is more endearing than the entire movie. I was saying this before we started recording. Catherine Hahn's mom is funnier than the whole movie. <laughs> Catherine kept watching the scenes with Catherine Hahn and her mom and Jada Pinkett Smith and her mom were so delightful i -hmm. also think that jada gets more screen time during the credits than she does in the movie 100 percent. i found Kristen bell's mom to be a little threatening um (laughs) i was just like something about Kristen bell's mom is not rubbing me the right way mila kunis's mom seems like a delight same for christina applegate that's my Mm -hmm. review of everyone's mom A mom's, something about Kristen, Kristen Bell's mom has a bit of a sinister energy. Can't quite place it. Sure. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's take another quick break and then we'll come back and really do a deep dive. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody, 
Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. So we've been chatting a little bit already throughout the recap of things that have, you know, bugged us. Yes. I think I just want to start out the official discussion by saying, um, Mm -hmm. like, I can see why this movie would resonate with people, especially moms. For sure. Because it does a little bit to recognize how difficult it is to be a mom, how mothers are often underappreciated, overworked, how they have, how they often have to do a lot of the household and emotional labor to keep a family going. And this movie is about a group of women who are just fed up with those expectations that are placed upon them to be perfect moms. And then they say, fuck it to those expectations. Absolutely. Like, I, I really do appreciate that there is like, and again, for movies that have come out even remotely recently, this is the option Mm -hmm. of a movie that expresses these like really commonly held frustrations so it's like i i'm glad this exists for that reason and and i'm glad that it like resonates i'm interested in your mom tweets um yes because yeah this is the only movie of its kind for better and for worse (laughs) um i'll read a few of the responses i got from moms and for our listeners who are moms feel free to reach out on social media and let us know how much or how little this movie resonated with you because we are very curious for sure um but anyway here are a few takes give me that sweet mom intel they were a bit mixed but basically my tweet just asked um are you a mom? Have you seen bad moms? Did it resonate with you? Thoughts? One of the first responses was, um, I am a mom and I loved it. I also saw it in a theater full of moms and it was an awesome bonding experience. Okay. Uh, another one said, big fan. I relate to Mila Kunis and Katherine Hahn. Uh, my husband left me for another woman and I had to struggle to figure out how to keep my household afloat with two kids aged three and five at the time while shedding my wife-slash-mother identity and figuring out who I was. Another response was saying that she is a mom, she did not finish the movie, it did not resonate with her at all. So, again, mixed responses. I guess, I mean, like, a a lot of what you hear, and then I think around the original coverage of this movie, because this movie was reviewed mixed as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. And I was happy to see it that a lot of the reviewers of this movie were not just women but also were mothers um and it seems like moms are also split on this but i mean even the responses that you've shared and thank you to to those people for for sharing um Mm -hmm. seems to indicate that like this is the first time they've seen those kinds of problems represented in a big movie right and in a way that isn't and and i think we've we've talked about this with a number of different identities that are held primarily by women of like it's nice to see a mom struggling in a way that isn't framed as like, this is the most tragic thing in the world. This is like, and then it's just a sad, because I feel like there's a lot of movies about like sad moms, mm-hmm. but this movie is about bad moms. There, <laughs> my, <laughs> Yeah. And, and I, I, 
I could definitely see how seeing this movie in theaters with other moms would be really cathartic and fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. I just think we can do better. Yes, for sure. And that that's my thesis statement of yeah. the film, which is that like it's a movie about being a mom and the pressures of being a mother. And it's written and directed by two cishet men who are who... known for being cruel to women. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I note that we, we've we done research into what these guys were saying on the press tour for this movie, which mm-hmm. was like, ugh, just very like I my my suspicion going into researching the production of this movie was that John Lucas and Scott Moore wanted money. Right. OK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is what a lot of directors want. Right. But uh, by 2016, you can't necessarily just make another hangover. You can't like bro comedy is really not as much in demand, you know. And and so I, it just seems kind of like, it just seems like someone reached out and was like, John Lucas Scott Moore, women are so hot right now. So mm. we need <laughs> you to like don't don't like get out of your comfort zone or anything. But we need a movie with some ladies. And no, you can't kill them. Uh, and <laughs> it just, it just feels like a studio note. Like it just, yeah. I have like, I have some of these interviews and I like, I want to play some clips from them because they're so frustrating to hear these guys talk. There, it's just, I'm frustrated by them. Like they should have just known better. They should have been like, well, we're not moms. Why would we write a movie about moms? Yeah. But what have they done in their career that would indicate that they would pass money I on would. to a marginalized creator? Like there's nothing that they've ever, nothing. you know, no. they, they got offered the money <laughs> and they took it. Which also makes me very frustrated at the, you know, the studio who was like, Hey men write this movie about mom. Like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I am. I am at least mildly, encouraged and appreciated by like I guess that Kristen Bell had a lot to do with this project existing as well from the research Mm -hmm. I've done on the production she was like I think the star attached that made the movie get made and she was the one that convinced Mila Kunis to do it and so there is like more women behind the scenes of this movie than your average John Lucas Scott Moore movie but that's saying literally nothing Mm -hmm. so yeah. Well, let's hear a little, a few things they have to say, shall we? <laughs> no. Yes. So this is an interview with the co-writers and co-directors, John Lucas and Scott Moore, about just sort of their experience developing and directing Bad Moms. And here are just a few choice quotes from them. I am on a YouTube channel called Film Is Now, Movie Bloopers and Extras. Just to cite this source as properly as I can. Yeah. So here's the first clip. Uh, yeah. Well, I think, you know, the movie, the genesis of the movie was looking at our wives' lives. We're both dads and our wives are moms. And uh, seeing how intense a world it was and how ripe it was for comedy. And so we figured it was, uh, we've written our share of exactly what you said, guys having a good time. And we figured, also we went to enough like uh, mom events that got a little off the rails that were like, oh, this is like, we're not actually entirely making this up. This is something that actually happens. You know, the three martini play date or whatever it is. Uh, Not my wife, by the way. She's very well behaved, but other moms, of course. but we just thought it was like a, it was a world full of really intense social interactions, and it was just a world that was like sort of hadn't been in our minds done to the to the nth degree yet. And so we thought we could. 
there it's very i mean and the quotes get worse from the like it it just i really don't like it there it's so i mean it's like i i feel like that quote alone just like you're like yeah this was a studio note they were asked to write a movie about women uh they asked their wives three questions a piece and <laughs> then just wrote the movie like i and i really don't like this the like Okay, let me know if if I'm like getting off the rails here, but I do feel like there is, especially in this genre, like there's this repeated media narrative of like women should be allowed to be raunchy too. And like Mm -hmm. it just comes off a little like condescending. (laughs) Like it's like, okay, well then like let them. And also you don't need to write like there's just no, I hate, I just, there couldn't be two people I would want behind a project about motherhood less right i mean i'll play a couple more little clips from this but like yeah so there's this monologue that amy mila kunis's character gives in the movie when she's talking to her son about how her son like needs to do his own homework and she basically she's like you're entitled which means mommy and daddy have been spoiling you and now you think the world owes you something but it doesn't and if you don't learn how to work hard now you're going to grow up to be another entitled white dude who thinks he's awesome for no reason and then you'll start a ska band and you'll be mean to girls and you'll grow a mustache to look interesting but you won't actually be interesting and i'm not okay with that so please do your own homework so she's like talking about basically the directors of this movie who are entitled and think they can just do anything but then they also (laughs) like but then they also do that thing where they make it sound goofy and not like themselves enough that they just sort of manage to slip out of it they're like right like I feel like that's the same the same issue I have with the way they wrote her husband where um I agree with our listener that it's it's like there is some visibility and like a shitty husband that cheats on their spouse with not a lot of guilt. I mean, that's unfortunately a pretty common thing that happens, but mm-hmm. the way that they write the character makes it seem like he's just not smart enough to be able to be a loyal husband. It has nothing. It is barely a reflection on his character. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like that is a way that they let themselves and other men off the hook by just writing a character that really no one is going to see themselves in. And we've had this discussion in different genres too, where it's like we've had discussions about like, when a man is and I guess trigger warning but like when a man assaults a a woman in a Mm -hmm. movie it's very often by a character that is so brutally evil that no or like no average person would recognize themselves in it and so then it just becomes like well what are you supposed to take away from that you know and this Mm -hmm. is a much less version of that but I do think it is like kind of a flavor of like these guys are not actually writing it, 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 the one thing that they could do and use their lived experience to do is write a dad character that right. isn't so <laughs> ridiculous and they can't even do that it's can't just even without getting it. like too like oh well i'm not like this this guy's dumb <laughs> like it's like okay but like they just can't self-examine Mm-mm. also John Lucas being like, my wife, though, she would never misbehave. She's oh. perfectly behaved. <laughs> I'm and just it's like, like did you miss the point of your own <laughs> shitty movie? Like, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it based on sounds that comment. like it. <sighs> 
there there was a piece I came across from I was just like looking through some of the coverage in in both directions pro and con um, from when this came out in 2016 mm-hmm. and there was a piece I found in Slate that I actually uh, quite liked and I thought it was someone who like uh, a writer named Alyssa Strauss who enjoyed the movie but kind of had all of the same points that we have about why it's like well this isn't really she was like it's a fun movie but it's not really like the mother's experience Mm -hmm. where so I just wanted to share a quick passage from that that I think like ties in a lot of things that we've been talking about so far yeah um she says in real life a harried mom like Amy seeking some relief would probably recognize that her unhelpful husband and unrealistic boss are her main problems the annoying mom at school would be nothing more than a pebble in her shoe something that bothers her for a moment but can easily be resolved personally speaking I know few moms who have been exhausted or wounded by intermommy tension I asked other moms I know including those with office jobs and those who are their family's primary caretaker and they all felt the same moms are not at war with one another we concluded and most of us don't care about about what parenting or employment decisions other moms are making. We might become irritated when a mom thinks she is better for making a particular decision, but the crime there is hubris, not how they are feeding their baby or how many extracurriculars their kid is enrolled in, which I feel like is a big flaw of this movie where mm-hmm. it's like the way the problems that Mila Kunis's character chooses to address versus what she doesn't like. Yeah, they make the villain another woman we don't know very well as opposed to any system that being her job which is like even that like gets conflated because of the shitty writing where it's like with her workplace it would be very I, I think smart and the most logical choice to make it a workplace that is not welcoming to mothers it's not offering flexible scheduling right and and that should be a clear, but they don't do that. They make it like, oh, these millennials and their coffee beans and their Game of Thrones. Like <laughs> the the problem is like people who are five years younger than Mila Kunis. It's not the fact that workplaces are unwilling to accommodate mothers and maternity leave and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it doesn't even come. It, it barely comes up. So that is like conflated. And then the clear issue of like, her husband is cheating on her. She wants to divorce her husband. It finally gets resolved way later. But men are not like obstacles in this movie the way that other women are. Well, that brings me to perhaps <laughs> another little oh. clip. Even all that, because it's like one of those media interviews where it says like, John Lucas on why women should be allowed to be raunchy. Even like the introduction to their clips is <sighs> cringy. The movie doesn't really get into a lot of dadding, and we consciously chose to, like, every time we felt as guy writers ourselves injecting guy stuff in, we sort of wanted to treat men in this movie a lot like how women are generally treated in guy comedies, which is sort of like love objects and uh, a little bit of comedy here and there, but we really wanted to get it not about, like, the relationships between, like, the struggles between moms and dads. This is a mom movie. This is not a movie about the two things. Okay, I mean, I don't even disagree that that's, like, a fun inversion But then it's like that sentence continues with like, also, I don't know what it's like to be a mom. I didn't do a lot of research and I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. (laughs) So the whole movie comes off a bit weird. They're they're so lucky they had like three talented leads who are mothers to make this movie remotely convincing. (laughs) Truly. And the, the writing doesn't do them justice of what they are capable of. 
<sighs> anyway, um, here's another clip, and this is Scott Moore talking now. So, so John may have said this, but we didn't so much as write this script as listen to our wives and the moms around us and write down what they were saying. And so really a lot of it is just observing the moms around us and putting it into a movie. And I have to say, you're talking about sort of cutting loose. I know my wife would love to cut loose every day, but there's so much responsibility placed on her that eventually she gets to the end of the day and it's like midnight and she's got to go to bed. And it's that frustration of not getting to do anything that she wants all day. And so this movie is what if she got to just like do whatever the hell she wanted. Can we start like a GoFundMe for these wives? They're <laughs> like, we need to get them out of there. They're the the way they talk about their wives is literally like their possessions. Like yeah. they're just my my wife would love to cut loose, but unfortunately, I'm making a ton of money like off of her experiences, so I uh, I can't really like do much to contribute because I'm writing bad moms. Like you're just like, do you hear your? It's do you hear yourself? So and then I have one last clip to share i know it's <laughs> and then and then i'm done i promise i think there are less pressures and less expectations on fathers it seems like if you show up at an occasional soccer game you're a hero for being there but moms sort of have to be at every soccer game and make sure they brought the treats and make sure the kids are on time make sure they have all the gear and that they have the shin pads and there's just a lot that i, f I feel like our society has placed a lot more pressure on moms to be perfect that dad's uh for right or wrong, probably for wrong, are just expected to be at work and occasionally show up. But moms are expe expected to I, do everything. I personally feel like I get a lot more plaudits for doing very little. And my wife does a lot and doesn't get you any. You do very little, too. And I do very little, <laughs> consciously. Uh, no, but I think there's, I think that's, uh, I, we could get into like a really deep philosophical conversation as to why it is. But the truth, whatever, whatever cause you want to point to, it, it, it is reality that moms are held to a far higher standard. And it's not fair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but what have you done? <laughs> but what have you done? But what have you done? You know, they have They just they're anything. like, um, I think I've heard of this thing called the patriarchy. Um, not really sure what it does or who it is, but It seems really shitty. I <laughs> would be so pissed if that were me. So, mm -hmm. I guess what I'm saying is, wow really sucks and bye yes these are the doofuses who tried to write like an empowering mom movie yeah they did not succeed um that then that's all i have to say about it they just <laughs> they just did not succeed there i really hope that in a couple of years we like look back on this episode when a uh i would love a run like it's not don't misunderstand us. We would love a raunchy comedy starring moms mm -hmm. written by anyone else. They're <laughs> written by like someone with experience, someone who has at least researched it. Like it just, there couldn't be a more cynical like Hollywood choice for someone to be in charge of this movie. It just shows a complete distrust in <laughs> Lit I mean, and having Annie Mumolo there really was like a knife to the gut for me of like, mm -hmm. you have cast someone in a shitty tiny role of someone who could be doing circles around. It's just ridiculous. Totally. Yeah. And, and especially because like to have these two men write this movie about motherhood and it like them being like, but like, you know, it's not it's bad moms it's moms like what if moms could be bad and raunchy and drunk and have sex and like all this Whoa. stuff and it's like 
great. Yeah, that would be cool to see. That would be an, a subversion of what we normally see on screen. But like, again, it always it just comes down to like, these are not the people to tell this story because these are guys whose comedy relies almost entirely on punching down and writing dialogue in a way that like I really don't like women it's very like Catherine Hahn's character the way that she's always like oh my cooter my cooch my pussy you're like, like that's how 50 year old men talk about women that is not yeah, how like, women talk about themselves <laughs> like I <sighs> unless there's something I'm missing but like <laughs> I've never known any one of my generation or my mom's that has spoken of themselves in that way. And my and that's not to say that my mom and her friends don't talk about themselves in gross ways. They do, but not right. But they don't not. talk about themselves. Like I feel like there is this weird sometimes there are semi good monologues that I theorize were rewritten later on because they were just like this is too like Mila Kunis will occasionally have a good small monologue that is yes extremely on the nose but at least it's making a competent point like when she's at the mm -hmm. bar and she's like there's so much pressure on us blah 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 blah, blah. like and you're just like okay yes I agree with this cool nice mm -hmm. but then it's like for the most part it's moms talking to each other the way their husbands talk about them and not how they right. talk about themselves because of who's writing the movie and yes. so <laughs> so and i just want to clarify something i want to clarify what we mean mm -hmm. uh, i i don't think that men should avoid writing movies about women or avoid writing female driven stories not at all i think oftentimes it's awesome when men want to write compelling female characters like I have a lot of students in my online screenwriting classes wow another plug <laughs> incredible it can be done really well like it can be done For really sure. well as long as you're you know doing it with empathy and you're informed like that is the key and these writers have a very trackable history of that not being the case a hundred percent yeah like there's a way to do it responsibly and there's a way to do it not responsibly and like again like the students in my class if I'm not mistaken every single one of them is writing a screenplay with a female protagonist oh, like amazing. they are I know they like they want to be contributing to inclusivity and that's awesome and we encourage that yes but yes it's it's a matter of like these specific filmmakers is who we are railing against John Lucas and Scott Moore they have this terrible track record and I think I'm also like we just came off of that hangover episode that we did i mean on the we're Matreon. very like we have very fresh memories of how bad these writers are yeah at writing women and i think that it also speaks to i mean if you're writing i mean i i think it's wonderful that like we're i mean as writers opening up more inclusivity but it's like women should be allowed to the front of the line on this story for and, sure <laughs> and and it's and it's i think another example of like the bajillionth time that an all male uh, screenwriting duo gets a million chances to mm -hmm. do something well and never does it well. And here we are talking about it. <laughs> right. Like they don't deserve another chance is what I'm saying. They don't. And, yeah. and the other, like but people don't care. another thing I think is worth talking about is that like, this isn't to say that people can't change and like writers can't grow over time and that like people don't deserve redemption because like a lot of Hollywood screenwriters 
should be trying to change and should be growing and should be trying to course correct. But and I like, you know, I do admire that when people do put in the effort, but still like these guys But it's not these guys. Yeah. They don't qualify for that conversation. It's not these guys. I just am insulted by them trying to write this like female driven story that I think is attempting to like be empowering for moms, but it just like falls flat on its face. I don't even know if that's true. I th- I think that that interview with them is, for me, that interview is the nail in the coffin of like, this was a very cut and dry cash grab. Yeah. This story does not mean anything to them. They like reference their wives as if it's like the 1950s. Like that, it, I, I don't think that this, I mean, I've been very hard to believe that they went into this project more wanting to make women feel seen than they did just want millions of dollars. Right. Yes. That's just one of the examples of how to write a female-driven story irresponsibly and not doing it responsibly, which is what we are encouraging people to do. You know, if you're a man who wants to write stories about women and that include women, great, please do that. Yeah. Just do your fucking homework. That's literally your homework. Just do your fucking homework. And and ask yourself, you know, like, who else do I need to include in this process in order to make it an authentic story? For sure. IDK, my BFF Jill. Remember that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Bring you're, it back. You're, is you, your best friend slash mom, my Jill? Best friend, my, I've truly in quarantine. I, th- I think I've told you this a little bit. I So I like digitized all my family's home tapes. Mm-hmm. And there's like 60 hours of them. And so I feel like <gasps> I've been with them nonstop. And the way my mom narrates things is just like, <laughs> I'm going to edit this thing down and she's going to win an Oscar for cinematography. Her slow zooms and her omniscient narration is unmatched. Incredible. I've yes. seen a few of like the little clips you've posted on Instagram. And... There's, I'm currently getting through this really long video of my parents on their sixth anniversary. My mom like puts her wedding dress on and my dad is like, this is weird. And then my mom's like, it's actually fun. And I'm like, now this is what we need in a movie. <laughs> Whatever's going on here. <laughs> Where is bad Jill Loftus? Bad Jills. <laughs> we need bad Jills. Bad Jills. Bad Jill and bad Lori. I would watch that movie. <gasps> that would be so fun. And then <laughs> and then Jada Pinkett Smith would be also be there and actually get to have a line this time. Yes, yes. My mom not to brag, but my mom would let Jada Pickett Smith talk. In fact, she would only, my mom would not talk at all. She's like, Jada, you have the floor. I know. And then my my mom would go around talking about, like telling everyone for the rest of her life how Jada Pinkett Smith is her best friend in the world. <laughs> it would be a whole thing. Oh, moms are great. If only they had a better movie to watch. It's true. Um, okay. Here's some things that I didn't hate about the movie. Um, and again, like, oh, I just... I know there's a lot to like about this. There is some small attempt, even if it's by the wrong people, to to explore certain mm. aspects of being a mom. It tries. It does try. So I do want to include some things that I like. Sure. I do enjoy that between Amy's two children, more focus is given on the mother-daughter relationship than the mother-son relationship with the whole like soccer that is true uh, storyline and they go to the spa and they bond at the spa and they have a nice little time um i enjoyed that 
And then what little we do see with Amy's son is her basically saying, like, don't grow up to be an entitled white guy. And because she's like, you need to do your own homework. You need to cook your own breakfast. He teaches himself how to cook. So you see. He makes frittatas. So you see a boy learning a domestic skill which i feel like you almost never see in a movie and he's not mocked for it either which i feel like would have been another easy writing choice that they didn't go with i liked that too i liked i I liked that uh her daughter was also uh on a sports team Mm -hmm. and that the main tension with the daughter i mean there was mother daughter stuff but it was also like my daughter really wants to be on this sports team so they didn't relegate the daughter to like traditional you know stuff there either she's an athlete right they also do she takes mandarin classes and then says some racist stuff about mandarin and then also and then mila kunis also says wow that's a little racist and you're like this is not a funny joke for this year like no (laughs) that's in response to um her daughter like worrying about whether or not she's going to be able to get into an Ivy League school and she's like yeah they they're rejecting Asians these days and then Mila Kunis is like oh that's racist but it's like yeah that's another like having it both waysiness that you're just like right that's not that doesn't if you just like that's just another like dumbass like directors of the hangover thing they're like well if we say it's racist then that absolves us yeah you're just like no that's not how that works yeah i won't go through my whole list but there's a lot of like punching down yeah i mean substantially less than you would expect from a movie from these guys but still bad but it's still present for sure yes some other stuff i did like Mm -hmm. i actually really enjoyed although i did not think it needed to be there but since it is there and we have to talk about it Mm I liked the romantic subplot between Amy and Jesse. If it had to be there, they could have done a lot worse. They could have done worse. And the reason I like it is that he treats her far better than certainly we've seen these writers and directors having male characters treat women. I know. I know. But that it's also like, I like that. It would have been worse if he treated her badly, obviously. But then I'm also like, these guys went out of their way to treat a male character kindly that they would never have done for a female character that's true in the same position but i am glad i mean i liked i I liked i know nothing about him but he's nice he asks for consent there's like he's doing the bare minimum (laughs) on a very high level that's true yeah he he asks if she's okay when he learns about like her husband having just cheated on her he he doesn't neg her right we're mostly saying things that he doesn't do as opposed to things that he does which just like speaks to the sad state of the way women are treated especially in like romantic context because we've so we're so accustomed to seeing men being so shitty to women and like negging them and stalking them and wearing them down and surprise kissing them in this movie uh she surprise kisses him which you know, which is also not still good. Not good, but different. <laughs> different. Different. Um, he compliments her on her parenting skills. You know, again, this is just bare minimum, the decent thing to do. But because we're so conditioned to see men treating women terribly, mm-hmm. uh, we're like, wow, give this man a medal. <laughs> they also, <laughs> they objectify men far more than they do women in the movie. True. To the extent that it's often a joke where, like, when we meet Jesse, 
he's introduced in this like slow-mo gazy shot that's like you know panning up his body Mm -hmm. um to you know draw the audience's attention to the fact that this is the guy that the moms think is hot yep there's the like movie the fake movie that they watch in the movie theater where like this man is like in space with this woman he's like love is stronger than space and then he like rips his shirt exposing his chest and stuff so it's like okay Uh, yeah i mean and again this movie i mean like every movie in this kind of very bloated genre it can't possibly happen if everyone in the movie isn't pretty well off absolutely and by extension there's very little diversity in the movie at all you just see a lot of different kinds of rich white moms yes this is 100 percent a movie about like Middle class to upper middle class white women. I mean, did you see their house? I mean, Amy's house, yes. I I would say that, like, I mean, like, Carla is more, like, middle class. But, like, yeah, Amy seems quite well to do. And this is something that we see in media where moms are allowed to be boozy and, like, distant and irresponsible as long as they are financially stable white women. Right. Because that, when that's the case, it's funny. It's a joke. It's hilarious. But like if you're a black mom mm-hmm. or a low income mom and you like step out of line as a mother for one second. There's a million other ways that you're going to be stigmatized and treated poorly. Totally. And that's not to like lessen, you know, it's like it. it, it there is pressure on the bad moms, but it's like there's really no con- like indication that the writers are aware that like this is on the low end of difficult you know mm-hmm. uh, right I don't also like, like this movie. another thing the movie does again it makes the ever so slightest attempt to try to hold men more accountable to be good fathers but which is like something a movie could and should do like sure. i would like to see more movies with those themes but like it's really glossed over. There's like just not enough of a, an attempt to actually hold men accountable. Like the closest thing we get, I think, is that little through line with Kiki's husband, Kent, who we see him being like really controlling and borderline maybe abusive to Kiki. And then she has a cathartic moment at the end where she yells at him. And but that's is like, like the only thing we know about her. And it's also just like... That's the lowest level of resolution you can possibly get mm-hmm. for the very little we know about this character. It's like she told off her husband one time to go to a PTA meeting. Like that's <laughs> like. But then and then like the scene we get after that is like, I don't know, his behaviors change and he's like, oh, well, I'm so sorry. I forgot the backpack. I'll go back and get it. And meanwhile, she's like. There's a weird, the way, again, these directors, like their visual language that they use to indicate certain things is really off because like in this scene, Kristen Bell is wearing makeup and before she hadn't been wearing makeup. So now that she's like- She had a middle part and then at the end she doesn't have a middle part. Love this, love this arc for her. Right, like now that she's in control of her life- she, she's makeup now. She's wearing makeup. She is makeup now. There, yeah, you're like, sure, great. And like, I like makeup just as much as the next person, but like, these filmmakers are like, oh, well, um, makeup equals confidence, right? 
And I feel like that's just such an oversimplified male understanding of being a woman. Yeah. And it's like, who let you make this movie? Oh, I mean, who wouldn't let them? <laughs> who with influence and power would not let them make this movie, unfortunately? Um, so, yeah, I mean, just moms deserve. I, I'm glad that this this is this is, I feel like, kind of a classic example of like a tiny step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So that's good. But it's also infuriating to be like, wow, progress sure is slow, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> but. Yeah, I don't know. I I personally blame this all on Christina Applegate. (laughs) It's actually been her fault all along. She invented patriarchy, and if she hadn't done that, none of this would be happening. (sighs) I think my final thoughts are just that, like, this is, unfortunately, because this is, like, one of the only examples of a, like, female mom-driven narrative that is also, like, a romp because there's other there's a few other like movies that explore motherhood that came ar- out around this time and i mean there's there's narratives about this all throughout film history but like some more recent ones were things like 20th century women tully the babadook you know <laughs> can't beat the babadook feminist icon the babadook but these uh, and queer icon the babadook yeah, absolutely true but they these aren't romps so the fact that like kind of the one example of like a mainstream broad comedy mom romp is a movie made by people who don't know what it is firsthand to be a mom is mm. just such a frustrating misstep and that doesn't mean like if you like this movie I can see why there are some things about it to take away that would be very relatable and that that would resonate with moms but I long for the day that we get moms writing mom movies and directing mom movies because I think yeah. that they will resonate with moms even more believe it or not I wholeheartedly agree mm-hmm but it does uh, pass the Bechdel test. So there's it does. That. A, 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 lot. a fair amount. Yeah. A fair amount. There are whole scenes where they're just talking about dick. Yeah. But there's also whole scenes where they're not. That's true. Sometimes they're talking about their cooters. Sometimes they're talking about their cooters. <laughs> uh, the most feminist thing that, that we do. We do it all the time. I think it is funny that you're just like, yeah, they're talking about their vaginas. So... <laughs> It like it passes the Bechdel test, but I don't want it to because of the people who are writing the lines. Mm-hmm. But it does. It does pass. It does. Pretty handily. It does. And I think it might not pass the reverse Bechdel test. I don't think we see men interacting really at no. all. Except Which is kinda nice. It is kinda nice. I think there's one there's a few exchanges where Amy's husband and son just have like a quick exchange but Mm. other than that yeah i think it is not men talking to each other really at all so hey so there's that (laughs) thankful for small miracles (laughs) what would you rate this movie on our nipple scale Mm. uh you know on from zero to five nipples based on how well you feel it portrays women (laughs) in the movie i will give it two I was feeling the same way. Because, and again, I want there to be much more representation of moms from all walks of life, not just rich white women. The whole spectrum of people, if they are parents, I want to see that. We don't really get much of it at all. 
and when we do see it, it is very limited, the types of moms we are allowed to see on screen. I've never seen any mom like my mom, Lori. I've never seen anything remotely resembling my mom on screen. Same. Which means I need to write a movie about my mom. Yeah, Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I kind of like and just based on the way that we've had to tiptoe around ourselves kind of throughout the discussion of this movie because it's the only movie of its kind mm-hmm. I kind of I kind of resent a little bit that we have to you know keep being like but it's okay the movie's okay because it's just like there that's just such a clear indicator that there are not enough options in this genre it is the only option I don't think it's a good movie I, I'm glad that it portrays a few different types of moms in a very specific area of the world. And not that every movie needs to represent everything, but it's like, this is a movie written by people who don't know how to write female characters. Right. It just, this movie just feels like so focus grouped and I'm glad that there are elements of it where moms feel seen, but it's, I mean, it's like, it's so frustrating that it's like, Oh, we have to like give this movie points because it has mom representation. But then it's like, but it's not a good movie. Like Mm-mm. moms deserve a good, thoughtful movie that can still be raunchy and funny, but like just let someone who knows what they're talking about right. write it. And oh, sorry. And that's the police coming to arrest John Lucas and Scott Moore. Yeah, I live in their neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, and then and then just like like we've talked about just how how intensely like whitewashed um, this movie and this genre is mm-hmm. to the extent where you can have Jada Pinkett Smith in the movie and not give her a line like outside of like yes, Christina Applegate. Just I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I feel like there's a, a lot of broad stereotypes that these guys are known for perpetuating for all genders races they only know how to write in stereotypes and that doesn't really service what i feel like is needed in terms of portraying moms in a cool and funny way i feel so uh i don't know for now watch tv instead (laughs) (laughs) two nipples one to katherine hahn and one to jada pinkett smith nice i'm gonna give one to wanda sykes and one to vertigo dog (laughs) feminist icon vertigo dog (laughs) the best character in the film truly i felt like i had vertigo this whole movie (laughs) (laughs) well there you have it bad moms Happy Mother's Day to all the bad moms, the good moms. The whole spe- the whole beautiful spectrum of moms. We love you all and thank yes. you for what you do. And yeah, and then uh, just for everybody, we hope you're doing well. You hope, we hope you're staying safe. What a, what a time to be alive, truly. Right. And then I guess we should say where we can be found Um, you can find us on twitter and instagram at bechtelcast for starters for starters you can um subscribe to our patreon aka matreon if you have not already and if you are able it's a fun time it's a fun time it's may so it's my birthday month we're doing fun ones um, which we're doing some fun we're doing um Shaun of the Dead and mm-hmm. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Just so much feminism just <laughs> oozing out of these films that I, I, I'm very excited. It'll be Unfortunately, fun. they are some of my favorite movies, and that's my cross to bear. Those are my picks for my birthday May 
Matreon. Matreon. But we've been we've been really, I think, cranking out the hits over in the Matreon recently. So oh, yeah. head over there, join the community, have some fun with us. You can go to get some merch at tpublic.com slash the Bechtel cast. Or you can They're get selling our... masks now. We're selling masks now. So that's if, if I mean we all need one. Mm-hmm. One another? Get now for a Molina mask. Get a Molina mask. Go <gasps> go, you know, go cuckoo. Um <laughs> And... Oh, and if you are interested in taking my online screenwriting class, yeah, uh, you can go to caitlindurante.com slash classes for more information, or feel free to just tweet at me at Caitlin Durante uh, and let me know that you're interested. And with that, have a happy Mother's Day or a happy bad mom's day. A very bad mom's Christmas. <laughs> Bye bye. Mother's Day, in a way, is just Bad Mom's Christmas. Okay, oh, bye. that's true. <laughs> bye bye. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.